Travis Dodd. This is Greg Oddy. This is Tyson Edwards. This is Brett Maher. This is Dale Kicker. And you're listening to Amato's Fifth Quarter. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number seven of Amato's Fifth Quarter. I'm your host, Dan. And as I'm sure you are all well aware, I absolutely love welcoming high-profile sports people here on the show to chat about their respective careers, the good times, the bad, the highs and lows, the ups and downs. And for today, I've got a very, very interesting guest with a remarkable story. Today, from the AFL, my special guest is Dale Kickett who is one of the very, very, very rare players to not have just played for one AFL club, not two, not three, not four, but five different AFL clubs in his career. So very much the journeyman. Uh, He is an Indigenous man, originally from Tamman in Western Australia, who worked his way up through the WAFL to eventually make the AFL. He played one season at Fitzroy in 1990, He then went to the West Coast Eagles the year after where he played two games in that star-studded West Coast Eagles lineup that ended up playing in the grand final that year. He then went to St. Kilda the year after to play one season where he played his two and only two finals in his career. He then had a year off in the WAFL, went back to the AFL in 94 uh, with Essendon where he played that one season at Essendon um, in a season where Essendon missed, well, where they missed the finals after winning the premiership the year before. So four clubs, one season each. And then he went to uh, went back to Perth to play for the new Fremantle Dockers in their first season in the AFL under Jared Neesham, played in their first game against Richmond, and that's where he remained for the rest of his career. He played 181 games in total, 135 of them for the Fremantle Dockers, kicked 64 goals in total, 24 of those at the Dockers. He is a Doig medalist, so that's a Fremantle's best and fairest. He won that in 1997. He is a Fremantle life member, and he is also a part of Fremantle's all-time 25 since 1995. So he's one of the legends of the Fremantle football clubs, one of their favorite sons, 
And as I said, he has got a very, very interesting story and he does go into some of the reasons why it may not have worked out at, at each club and why he was only at those original four clubs for the one season each. He does also talk about um, starting up at Freeman when the first season there at the Dockers under Jared Neesham. He talks about the Demolition Derby, round 21-2000, where he was, of course, suspended for nine weeks for three separate striking incidences. Um, He does go into that and, uh, I suppose, how that affected him and also his family um, during that time. It wasn't the best time for him, but he does go into that a little bit. And all up, he's just a really honest guy. It was really good to talk to him. Let's just get into it. Let's bring him on from Fitzroy, the West Coast Eagles, St Kilda, Essendon, and, of course, the Fremantle Dockers. It's Dale Kickett about to come onto the ground. And Winmar over the back locker. Gets onto the right hand. Finishes the kick it. Dale Kickett into an open goal and he slams it through the goal. Kickett's first thought always is to try and break that first tackle. Drop punt. Another one. So the Saints keep coming home with them. Welcome back to Amato's fifth quarter and today we've got a very special guest. It's one of the legends of the Fremantle Football Club. We've got Dale Kickett on the show. Dale, thank you very much for coming on the show today. No worries, thanks for having us. So you played your last game for the Dockers in 2002 and Dale, what have you been up to in the last 18 years and, and how have you settled into your first 18 years of, of retirement? Oh, yeah, it seems like a lot of the game. I've played footy for, or AFL especially. Um, I've worked in sort of Contrast Foundation for seven or eight years and been at um, the World Punda Foundation now for the last 10. It wasn't inevitable, but um, I felt that um, I had to go back into the Aboriginal sector to help out um, some of the young colleagues that were coming through that probably need a little bit of help in, in education and stuff. So you, uh, you're, it's, it's all about giving back now to the Indigenous community and, and bringing up the next generation. Yeah, definitely. I, I, yeah, cause I understand that I've actually grown up in the Indigenous community, so no first-hand at uh, what needs to be done to help out. Absolutely, it's good to it's good to hear you doing good things for the community. So, Dale, I'll take you back to the start. So, you were born in Tamman in Western Australia. Can you give the listeners a little bit of an insight into what life was like there in Tamman growing up and, and how your love of football started? Oh yeah, uh, I was born in Canada down the road. You got twenty k's away from Tamman. Um, Tamman's too small. We haven't got a hospital. Um, yeah, Tamman's got probably three hundred people strong. Uh, majority of people there were, that I was, I was related to. Uh, so I was a pretty, fairly comfortable upbringing, uh, primary school. And then uh, later on in life, um, my old man got a bit cooked, so we had to, we had to move to Perth, which, was, which I hated uh, at first, um, and rebelled against my parents to go back to town. So uh, that's where he actually lived with my, uh, my aunt in town. Later on, I... Uh, as soon as I came down to Perth to um, have a crack at um, playing footy, because uh, where I come from, we loved our footy, and uh, you know we had um, people to follow our, our, um, my parents and my uncles, and um, that included my old man, 
Det vil være det, fordi en bor i Danmark, uh, Derek Kigget og uh, uh, Larry Kigget. Um, det var det, hvor jeg var i en community and to play football at the WFL and the AFL. So, so uh, I spoke on the interval that I was going to go to play football. Yeah, because you mentioned, you know, your relatives, Derek, Larry, and, and you're also related to Buddy Franklin, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, he's my first cousin, me. Yeah, so football, that, that's, I, I would gather, obviously, that's a, football is a massive part of your family. Oh, definitely. If, you, if you've been a tenant, there's not a whole lot of that. You play, um, apart from work, you know, which included got in track this year. Uh, you played sport, which included cricket, football, lawn bowls, or tennis. And uh, I wasn't much of a tennis player or a cricketer, but you know, football was our, I suppose, our sport of choice, you know, which also included, you know, I, I mentioned my dad and, and Larry and Derek and, and you mentioned Buddy, but um, Byron Pickett's old man grew up in that area too. Um, I know I grew up with uh, uh, all that um, group of people. And you began your senior career in the WAFL at Claremont. You had a very successful 1989 season where you won the premiership and also the club's major goal-kicking award. That when it sort of was the moment where you realised this isn't just a hobby? There's the siren. There's the siren. And Claremont has won the 1989 Grand Finals. They have avenged last year's defeat. I suppose so. Um, I was still enjoying my footy then because there was no money involved in playing footy at Claremont. Um, and I only went there because my uncle Larry was coaching our Colts team at Claremont. Um, so I started playing uh, the under 19s with him in 1987. Uh, and Derek was playing there as well in the league team. Um, he won the premiership and probably should have won the stand over middle but got suspended. But um, and his brother was playing down there at Claremont as well. So it was a bit of a family affair. So to get drafted in the AFL was a bit like uh, I don't really want to go because I'm pretty comfortable here but <laughs> and and the competition in football in the eighties uh, and it was at the end of the eighties and um, in WFL work was pretty good, so when I got drafted in 1989, it was a bit of, uh, I don't really want to get Lee with and try to play pretty. And plus, uh, I think the town, which uh, um, was only a couple of hundred k's out of Perth, and I just got used to living in Perth. So to get drafted and go to Melbourne, it was, uh, I wasn't comfortable with it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You mentioned that because you, as you said, you did get drafted to the Fitzroy for that nineteen ninety season, and you mm-hmm. did you did have a good first season. You played fifteen games and kicked thirteen goals for a first year player in the AFL. That's very solid, and you played with Alistair Lynch, John Blakey, Paul Ruse, coached by Rod Austin. Yeah, and you mentioned you you didn't really want to go because you were sort of already had established yourself and got in your comfort zone there in in Western Australia. Was that one of the reasons why you were only at Fitzroy for that for that one season? Because you just you couldn't adjust to the Melbourne sort of lifestyle and it was a bit out of your comfort zone? Uh, yeah, very much so. Very much so. I, and after playing one game, or, or my first game, in a night series game, um, and having a pretty good game in the first game, I, I, uh, I, I thought that's worse. 
I just wanted to go home. But yeah, but it had a whole lot more to do with being homesick and not ready, not ready for it. Even though, even though I just turned twenty that year. I mean, these days it's really there's a lot of attention on it with, especially with young Indigenous kids. You see, like Eddie Betts, for example, he always nurtures the young Indigenous kids and and wants them to feel welcome and you know invite them with open arms. Back in in your day, was that as prevalent? Not not just with Indigenous people, but with younger players to sort of nurture them and make them feel welcome, or was it very much sort of you're on your own? Oh, well, the less players around back when I came into the league, uh, when I went to Fitzroy, um, the best player there was uh, Wally Matera, who was his older brother, and uh, then later on, uh, with the play for Kissman, St Kilda, and West Coast, and you know, the, the, the legends of the indigenous boys that played for them clubs, they were, they were always accommodating and, and trying to help out with any of the young original blacks that we know um, to play from. You know, um, so, and, and that continues on today. It's just made a, a, a little bit easier because your focus is to make the AFL. Um, but in my time, my only focus was to adjust the turf life and play WFL, which uh, was a big thing back in the 80s. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So the year after you went to the West Coast Eagles, and it was, again, your first and only season for the West Coast Eagles, you played the two games in what was a very, very good West Coast team. They made the grand final that year with Glenn Jakovic and Peter Matera, Chris Lewis, John Worsfold, Chris Mainwaring, the list goes on. That must have been an extremely hard team to get into. I definitely. And back then, if you didn't play for them, you went to play for your, your, your original league team. Uh, so I went back and played with Claremont in my first game of the year in 1991 with the Eagles uh, I got a tennis suspension that was seven weeks or uh, a blue we had in the in the first game of the year so I got seven weeks and if you knew Nick, uh, Nick Malthouse he was a, a very much a disciplinarian and, and I think that Probably led to, I mean, I get too many games in 1991. I was lucky to get the two later on the year. But I was also um, fortunate enough to play in a pretty good WFL team that year with Fremont. We won the grand final and, and uh, I had a pretty good season with them. Gives Edwards the chance and there's the siren. Fremont have won the 1991 Premiership and they've won it in a very convincing style. 77 points is the margin. Claremont 1918-132 have defeated a disappointing Subiaco 8-7-55 and Claremont, the trendsetters, the pace setters in the league all season have completed what I suspect is an appropriate victory. They lost only two games during the qualifying rounds, won the second semi-final by 68 points against this Subiaco team and have now gone on and notched a premiership victory that was rightfully theirs. So I was lucky enough to get picked up by St Kilda the year, the year after. Were you keen to go to St Kilda? Because you mentioned when you went to Fitzroy, you, you didn't really want to go. After coming back to Western Australia for a year, were you keen to go back to Melbourne or was it still you wanted to stay in Perth? Uh, I think I was ready to play, ready to play uh, after footy. Been a couple of years. Um, I was a little disappointed with my 991 season with West Coast. 
So, yeah, I was ready to play. Um, plus, you know, I had support of uh, Gilbert McAdam and um, Nick Winmar and, and lots of those blokes. And, you know, people like Slugger uh, and Danny Froy and, you know, there was a fellow named Tim Peake and I played for him with that Fitzroy. So, I was pretty comfortable with him around the place. So, uh, um, I went to St Kilda and, and thought I had a pretty good year. Playing, I think I played 20 odd games after not doing a pre-season with them um, and about my season with St Kilda in round three or two or three I think it was against West Coast and I went uh, back to Melbourne with them after that game so I thought I had a pretty good year and, and I, was, I was pretty disappointed about not being kept on that list at St Kilda because we had, we had a bloody good year we had a bloody good team and um Probably should have gone further than we did in, um, during the finals that year. But, you know, we had a couple of injuries to key players in in, in uh, one of the final games that we played, um, including Brad Crawley and uh, Harv, uh, Harvey. And towards the, at the end of that year, they, they thought they needed to make a few changes to make that next step to get in the grand final. But I thought that our body team was pretty good. Anyway, I got. I got dropped off the list in uh, '93. Yeah, I think that was was very harsh because your 1992 again was your first and only year at St Kilda, and it was a successful year for the club and for yourself. You played 21 mm-hmm. out of 24 games. You kicked 20 goals as well, so you were a prominent goal kicker. And you had Tony Locker, Nathan Burke, Robert Harvey, Nicky Winmar, Gilbert McAdam. And so, what was it? Do you think that allowed you to to actually? to really make an immediate impact and play regular senior football because, as you said, St Kilda had a great team and you fit into that team really well that year and you played a couple of finals as well. Yeah, it was uh, uh, St Kilda's first final win for 20-odd years. I suppose I fit into that team because all the players that you mentioned and I was ready after having a couple of cracks at it. Um, I missed my opportunity with West Coast and thought that uh, it wasn't actually done by then. It was a bit of my own fault, um, and thought that I could be good in the AFL. And I and, and I thought I had a pretty good season in St Kilda. And um, but that was uh, you know more to do with uh, having a lot of senior players around me helping out through through any any you know, times I had where I didn't think I could do it. Can you give the listeners a bit of an insight into the the experience of playing finals football? Like, do you, do you remember those two finals you played and and the difference in atmosphere between a, a finals game and a home and away season game? And Winmar over the back locket gets onto the right hand, gives it to kick it. Dale kick it into an open goal and he slams it through for a goal. And right over the top, Morris. Magnificent performance by St Kilda, but full marks to Collingwood, who fought it right out of dejected Gary Curter, had a terrific battle with Tony Lockett, but a game full of character from both sides. On that occasion, though, Kickett's first thought always is to try and break that first tackle. Drop punt, another one, so the Saints keep coming home with them. That's uh, Kickett's first, and St Kilda in this last term has kicked seven goals. final and as they've done all season they've defied the odds no question about that 
They came here as 13 to 8 outsiders and they put it to St Kilda. Yeah, well, they're the only final games I played. Um, actually, the biggest crowd I played in front of was uh, MCG during the season of 92 against Collingwood. And it was, uh, they celebrated the day because it was uh, a milestone in St Kilda's 80 premiership. Um, and, the, and that famous against Collingwood, they released a book called The Point of It All because they won by a point. And we played in front, we played in front of a crowd of 85,000 people or something on that day in 92. And we won by a point. So it was, you know, no better day to uh, uh, release their book. But to play in front of a crowd like that, yeah, uh, and to play finals for in front of massive crowds there, there's, uh, I can't really explain the feeling you get, uh, like walking on unstable ground to, you know, I, I remember trying to hit a goal in one of those games, um, uh, taking a mark, lining up 20 metres out, easy, easy to get goals, pretty confident. The whole ground seemed to shake with the uh, atmosphere of the crowd, and as I walked and kicked the ball, it, was, it just felt unstable. So that sort of the only difference that, uh, that crowd has on you. Um, you can't really hear any one single person saying anything. It's just a, just, it's unbelievable. I sincerely apologise for interrupting for quarter time here on A5Q, but listen, it'll be worth your while because I want to remind everyone, last episode I had the pleasure of sitting down having a chat with NBL Adelaide 36ers and Australian Boomers legend Brett Maher. Here's a little snippet of it if you missed it. In Europe, it's uh, a lot of slowed-down half-court offence. They run their offences very well. Um, there's not a lot of just coming down the fast break, pulling up a three and shooting it. <laughs> do that over there, there's a good chance you'll end up on the bench. Um, so a lot of the free-flowing stuff that I was used to here kind of had to... We had to rein that back a bit. And, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're a lot bigger bodies generally over there. In the Turkish league, we're allowed four imports with only with three allowed on at one time, and um, so yeah, we had a couple of Americans, a, a Yugoslav, and myself as the imports, and um, yeah, it was just uh, I guess the atmosphere of the games was like they've dragged ten thousand screaming soccer fans and crammed them into a into a five thousand seat basketball venue, and they got. Flags going, flares going, getting thrown on the court, riot police down every aisle with the big screens for protection of fans. And it was just a crazy atmosphere that I kind of got used to and uh, really, it, was, it was really fun playing there. If you haven't listened to the episode in full, do so because it was awesome chat. But until then, let's get back to Dale Kickett. So in your entire career, you played 181 games in total. But it only produced two finals. Is that something you look at with a bit of disappointment that you never really got to play in a lot of big finals? Definitely. A lot of people play for a single club, which I pride myself on the, you know, that I played with one single club in West Australia, Claremont. But in the AFL, I for five. But that experience in itself is something that nobody else has experienced. So... I don't know, it's not, it's not something that I would have liked to have done in my AFL career, but uh, it happened and, and I was very fortunate enough to meet uh, a lot a lot of people um, 
throughout the AFL and become pretty good mates with a lot of them. Met a lot of good coaches that, uh, whether I agree agree with them or not, every time I see them now, it's always, you know, get out here, go and have a beer or handshake. And, um, uh, it was all part of the experience, I suppose. But, um, because uh, a lot of the coaches that I played under were, were very successful either in playing themselves or, or for winning coaches themselves. So, yeah, it was a good experience to be involved with, um, uh, all that stuff. 1993, so the year after your St Kilda experience, you play exclusively in the WAFL and then the year after you get another opportunity at AFL level with Essendon. Now they'd just come off a premiership in 1993, but unfortunately struggled in 94 and and missed the finals. You played eight games for Essendon and again, that's your one and only season there at the club. Can you talk us through that Essendon year and and why, why you were only there for one year again? But I got picked up by Essendon in 1993, but I just got back from Melbourne, uh, or just got back from St Kilda and Perth, and, and I got picked up in, in a, I think it was, they had a mid-season June draft in, in back then, and I got picked up by Essendon in 1993, so, and I, and I just refused to go, I said, no, nah, not, not doing it, I don't want to go back to Melbourne, um, so I stayed in Perth, uh, and I, and I, I I wasn't even going to play in the WFL. I was going to go home to Cameron and play footy there because, uh, you know, you could get a, uh, a pretty decent dollar playing footy in this country league here or, or, you know, around the place. So I was, uh, that, that was my aim after uh, the 92 season with St. Kilda. Um, and that was my third club and I said I've had enough. Um, I did a pre-season with Claremont under uh, the guidance of Jared Nation, who had been involved with the Claremont for the whole time through, apart from uh, my uncle Larry, that coached me in Colts. And um, uh, so he coached me, and, you know, or got me to come back to Claremont, and and I was having an okay season with him in 93. Um, before I got picked up in the draft by Essendon, uh, I, I don't really want to, I don't want to go back to Melbourne. So I David Claremont and I had a pretty good year with them, won their first and best and we won the premiership again. I'm still calling them Cardis. There it is! Claremont have won the grand final 13-14-92 the West Perth 8-14-62 Nisha Moore smiles, his players have done it for him again. So at the end of that year I went over to Essendon to watch the grand final and considered going to play for them because uh, the Uncle Derek was playing for them. But we all know what happened to you in the 93 grand final, which was very disappointing. I, I didn't really want to go back and play there, but um, he was uh, probably instrumental in saying, look, after the grand final thing, he had been picked up by um, Sydney. Um, yeah, because he was dropped and, for the grand final. Yep, and which was very disappointing for me, and nobody knew that until... Because uh, I got invited to that game, and I sit in the grass, and he did run out on the field, and I was going here, and I was very disappointed for him. And because we were we had a fairly close family, I said, "Actually, I'm not playing for these these bucks." Anyway, I eventually did go to Essendon. I played the first eight games. Uh, it was my only. Um, I played in the night series. 
premiership with Essendon. That was my only premiership in the AFL. <laughs> and then played the first eight games, got injured, and then couldn't get back in their team. Um, halfway through that year, Fremantle had, it wasn't, it wasn't really on my radar, but Fremantle had uh, got the loss to, into the AFL. And uh, there was a mate of mine who I played all my footy with in Claremont, got the job at, got the coaching job at Fremantle. And I suppose the rest is history. Yeah, and that that leads us into your Fremantle career. But just taking, just going back a little bit, do do you know the reason why Derek Kickett was dropped for the grand final? Because that's something that's never really been truly answered. Like a, there's never really been a a real set in stone reason for that. Because he he was playing regular football, played in the prelim against Adelaide and then just got dropped. Do, do you know the, the reason he was dropped? I have no idea. I have to ask Sheed that. Um, they would have won the premiership with him. He played in the premiership. He played in the grand final with them in 1990 that they lost. Uh, hadn't missed a game up until that game. Um, earlier that year, I think he kicked 10-11 goals in a game to put Essendon on the top of the ladder towards the end of that year to give them a real decent crack at their finals and he may not have had the best game leading into that game but I have no idea why uh, she did that. Yeah, it's one of the uh, one of the great unknowns. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. One of the great unknowns. Unfortunately, Derek caught a couple of those things um, uh, in losing the Sound Open Mill in 87. Uh, it was a bit harshly done by as well. And he won that by a streak and missed that as well. Yeah, because, I mean, a premiership is what, you know, everyone wants to win a premiership. And that's, your players these days are judged on premierships. You know, how many have you won? And and that was his that was his opportunity. And, yeah, to be dropped after the prelim, quite harsh, really. So after a footy, you're judged on how good you are by winning premierships. But as we all know now, that we don't play footy. Uh, your dad's on a little more than premiership footy because I've seen a couple of young fellas around Perth here that uh, have won premierships and aren't going so well. And, uh, um, and you know, we're all concerned about them not because they won premierships but for their health and for their family's sake. Your, okay, so your first season at Fremantle. Uh, Fremantle's first season in 95 was actually quite good. They won eight games, finished 13th, which for a start-up club is a very solid first uh, first outing. Under Jared Neesham, you had Ben Allen, Peter Mann, Peter Bell, uh, Sean McManus, Scott Chisholm. But I want to talk about the first game against Richmond at the MCG. It was a great game of football, but disappointingly, you guys lose by five points to, to, to the Tigers. Do you remember that first game at the MCG? Fremantle is ready to hit the big time. The newest member of the AFL has journeyed to football headquarters in Melbourne for its historic debut against Richmond. From the MCG, this is AFL Saturday, featuring Richmond and, for the first time, the men of Fremantle. Hi there, everyone. Welcome along to the MCG for the second day of the season and the first day for the Fremantle Dockers. Today, they take on Richmond... Fremantle Dockers officially in the competition, up against the Tigers. I think the time has run out for them. They need to get a free kick from this bounce to have any show whatsoever. There's the siren. Richmond have won it in a thrower. And 
Jared Neesham ponders what might have been so near yet so far and Richmond have broken their hoodoo in the first round of a season winning the match by five points 12-18-90 to the debutant Fremantle Dockers 12-13-85 Yeah, yeah, very, uh, very much so um, it was a successful start to our career you know, it was after Freo was set up I would go into the setup of Fremantle which which begins with we had less than every other AFL football club that uh, had been set up in its time um, but I don't want to bore everybody um, but it's fact to go in and play our first game at the MCG Tristan, it was a, a fairly successful start to our and you say we only had a few wins that year yep um, we did we had some close losses to some, some pretty good teams uh, and you know that could be attributed to an unknown team that's been put together in a second you know, that uh, nobody knows about, uh, or or we might have been all right. But, you know, all those players that you mentioned and a lot of the um, young blokes that we had in our team, um, we had uh, a hell of a lot of injuries throughout the... I mean, uh, and that's something every club, you, you could say. Um, and Jared coached, uh, I think it was 1997, we missed the finals by by losing our last game of the year to Melbourne. Um, if we'd won that game, we would have played finals in the, uh, in the 1997 season. So, but, you know, they're, they're the things that make or break players and coaches um, winning and losing games, uh, whether it be by a point or, or 10 goals. Yeah, no, we did have a pretty good season in 1997 uh, for a new club. Referee says, fellas, take a break, it's half-time. Hey everyone, I just want to say a very big thank you to those who have engaged with A5Q. I really do appreciate all the support. I trust you're enjoying delving into all things Australian sport and hopefully you will continue to stick around. It would be a massive help if you could please do me a solid. Subscribe to the podcast and hit me up with a rating and a review. Gaining as much positive feedback as possible helps boost my visibility and it allows the podcast to be seen by other Australian sports tragics out there. Now, enough of that. Let's get back into it because the second half of A5Q is about to get underway. Yeah, because I think uh, Fremantle performed in those first two or three years under Nisham as good as what they possibly could have because at the time, you Jared Nisham was very innovative and he did a lot of things differently. That you know, Fremantle were a very different club to everyone else in the way they played and the way they presented themselves. But 1997 was your best season. You won the best and fairest, and that I I would gather is something you hold very dearly, considering the road you you went through to go from club to club and. You didn't have any real stability in your AFL career. So to be at the Dockers for three years at that time and establish yourself as one of the key players, that must have been a great moment for yourself to win that best and fairest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. My first three years were my whole career with Fremantle, even when I didn't play too many games. It was a highlight of my AFL football because I was able to establish myself with any AFL with... Jared at the helm of the, the job, and he'd say he was an innovative coach that um, had ideas that uh, AFL coaches copied and changed football to what it looked like, you know, in, in times. And it's obviously changed it a whole lot more since then. But 
as a player, I can always, I can only say it, it was my probably my fault that I didn't I wasn't able to become a regular AFL player in in, in a quite a, quite a few of the things that I played for, and not all of them. Um, uh, I, I would say that uh, I was the type of player with a bit of nurturing that that is uh, available to every young bug these days. Um, could have been a one club player, and maybe, as I say, we have we have successful premiership coaches and and uh, teams around the place. Uh, this is my way of rationalising things uh, and not playing AFL premierships. Maybe it was uh, not all my fault that I missed playing AFL. Maybe it was because coaches have changed a hell of a lot these days, and footy teams have changed, and footy clubs have changed a hell of a lot these days. Maybe it was you as a coach weren't as good as you think you were, even though you won premierships because you couldn't coach me. So anyway, I just laugh about it sometimes. I think that you say you could have been a one club player. Does that? Do you have any regrets on? what happened at your Victorian clubs about how you, you know, were in and out of the system and even at West Coast, how you were there for one year and then out. I know some of the things you couldn't control, but if you had your time again, do you think you would have been at a few of those clubs for a bit longer? Oh, yeah. You know, I only played against West Coast out of uh, an 11 game that I was available to. I had been suspended that year and uh, was an emergency in their their grand final team of 991. Um, but they lost to Hawthorne away from the MCG at Waverley. He's the only other grand final I know of that's been played away from the MCG, except for the one last year in Brisbane. So, was that a bad year for me? I don't know. I don't think so, even though I've dropped up the list at West Coast. I was an emergency in a, in a grand final team. Anyway, I was given another opportunity, you know, that Ken Sheldon saw, but then himself may not have had the, the, the hindsight to look at his team and go, shit, this is a good team. We'll keep these guys together for any length of time and, and, and we're going to win a flag. But not just me, but after that year, I was gone, Gilbert was gone, Plugger eventually went to Sydney. I mean, anyway, so maybe it was Ken's fault even though he was a premiership player himself at Carlton. <laughs> yeah, right. So what was it like to play with, with Plugger? I mean, one of the, you know, the greatest forward of all time. What was it like to share a locker room with him for, for a year? They've got a break on. Locker's got a chance here. He's got the sit. Big Plugger. Got hands on the football. Now he's got it. Locker, goal! Plugger was as big as he was on a, on a footy field. He was he got to keep himself from what I can, you know, for us or uh, that he's there here, but he's very good at, 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 at what he was there to do. Very good. And as you mentioned before, I was able to kick 20 goals in that forward one, which was sort of difficult because you had, you know, players um, uh, around me or, or I was around them was Huey Lowe, who was, you know, took more mark than anybody in the AFL. So there wasn't a lot of ground ball for people like myself. And if, and if he didn't get the ball, it was plugging. You know, he's the greatest goal kicker of all time in the AFL. So to get, get 20 goals off the feet of those blokes, I thought it was a pretty good season. Very good effort. Um, Very good effort. Uh, in, particularly after coming into the, their team with not knowing anybody in round two. How many players have done that? So I was really happy with the season that I played and unhappy with uh, 
end of the St Kilda. You know, there's a couple of clubs that I I was happy to to, to leave. That was one of them. You were very hard done by at the end of that season to get to get cut. Uh, anyway, that's that's history. That's, uh, so, why do you think we, when it comes to your Fremantle career, why do you think the club had very limited success over those first few years in terms of finals? Because you didn't play finals until 2003, and I know you had already retired by then, but you had some great players in, in McManus and Bell, Pavlich, uh, even Tony Modra for, for three years came there, Shane Parker, yourself. Why was it that you had such lack of finals football? And the highest you finished, yeah. in those first few years, the highest you guys ever finished was 12th. What do you think the reason for that was? Well, I get, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, with every AFL club start, uh, you know, in, in the modern era, and then, you know, it's four or five teams, we were given less than anybody else in, in setting up a club. They didn't want us to create another monster in, in, in Western Australia because I don't want to say, but I'm going to. Victoria, I think they thought they owned the game. So, the Premiership Cup going to, whether it be in Adelaide to... Uh, to Adelaide or Port Adelaide or or to West Coast, they know three or four times. Is not really what they wanted originally. I think they've they've grown into the national competition themselves uh, um, over the years uh, and and accepted that they obviously have to because everyone's had a, had a, had a crack at winning the cup now. It's gone all over Australia. But after the setup of West Coast um, and and they were set up with a very, very good team. It was, it was like a state of origin team. You know, before the AFL, there was state of origin. We loved state of origin. Um, South Australians, West Australians, Victorians loved their own players coming back and playing for their team. When West Coast was set up, it was like a state of origin team. And we all loved it. And obviously, when you get a two-team town, like you have in Adelaide or Perth or whatever, we develop our own well, rivalry, as you know, you've seen. But the success of Fremantle, uh, yet yeah, that that was, I can't say uh, a blame at all. But they had a part to play in it. Um, there was, you could talk about some of the coaches that we've had. Um, Jared was very successful in, in, in getting players that uh, he had used. You know, we had some pretty good players that come back to play for him as well. As you mentioned a few of them before, like Bell and who started at Fremantle and then went to North Melbourne and had a pretty successful career and, and Ben Allen who had gone to Hawthorne and come back and played for Fremantle, you know, or Peter Mann or and Mods and a lot of those people. But, you know, along the way there's uh, injuries and, and all sorts of things. In 1997 we missed the finals by a game. And, and you know, setting up a club, you'll hear it now that uh, every club is looking to create uh, uh, a culture it probably took a little longer for us and Fremantle to do that. And they were very unlucky to lose the game against Hawthorne in 2013. So the only team in the AFL without a premiership except for you know, the, the new franchises like Gold Coast and GWS. And good luck with them, Blokes. They've all had uh, GWS with 100, 100 number one picks and uh, still haven't done well with them because they're not in a footy state. Uh, and they're you know, but... So they still got Sydney and Brisbane up to win premierships 
in their times with the, the backing of the AFL. Now, I know about the AFL quite a bit and trying to get out a lot of our, our own uh, downfalls, but yeah, no, we had a lot of injuries and with our club, uh, quite a few coaches came, coach changes throughout that small period of time. And um, the culture of the club, I can tell you, is good. Most clubs I've been involved with over the years now at Fremantle, and they're my club of choice now. So hopefully, hopefully, they can break their premiership back in the next few years. So I know this was, you know, ten plus years after you retired. But what was your emotion like when Fremantle made the grand final in two thousand and thirteen? Do you remember that day and? And what it meant for you and, and a lot of the, the former Fremantle players who had sort of paved the way for that for that game? Yeah, a lot of those, a lot of those uh, players were there. They probably were right in that game in, in the terms of fellows playing in their first grand finals, looking very nervous and, and not adjusting to winning that game because that's what we all think. But, but you know, just a couple uh, of little things that didn't go their way, they lost the grand final. Um, that happens, unfortunately. We were on the... And, uh, and Hawthorne win another one. But uh, all, I know a lot of players that were, in, uh, you know, had invested in coming back to Fremantle to play football or starting at Fremantle or uh, for whatever reason were there at that game in Melbourne. Um, so, unfortunately, they lost the game. And... Uh, that made a little, everything a little bit easier and a lot of yeah, the blokes that have played footy with around the place uh, uh, that, you know, did that Fremantle because we just, we cocooned ourselves and, and, uh, and, and maybe got through losing the grand final that way. When you hear that whoosh, that means one thing and one, th- well, actually, technically two things and two things only. Quarter time breaks. It's three quarter time here on A5Q, and that means it's time to reveal one of my next guests coming on in a few weeks' time. The great Marcos Flores, one of the absolute favourite sons of the A League, Adelaide United fan favourite. Here's a little snippet of it to get you in the mood. That is was that is one one of the things that that I would treasure for me forever, no matter what, um, because at the end of the day. I put that jersey and I played like a child, you know? And I did that in every single environment that I could, you know? When I could, I could. I went to the game, I went to Bali United my last year of my career, and the president said to me, Florian, we've got a top five, um, we've got bonus if you finish five with the team. Fifth, if you finish fifth with the team. Fifth, I said, I thought it was bonus for winning winning trophies. Now this club is all, always middle table and you know, we're never gonna make it all the time. Okay. I played like it was my last day in in, in, in football because at the end of the day I knew that that is how you need to play the game. You go to every single game thinking that is the last. Now when I say this I really do mean it. Marcos Flores is a Awesome guy to chat to. He was absolutely fantastic. So passionate about what he's doing, bringing up the next generation of footballers. So definitely stay tuned for that. But now let's get back to Dale Kickett. Now, I just want to quickly talk about the famous derby, that demolition derby 
that unbelievable game. You guys are the underdogs against the West Coast Eagles. 32 points down at halftime to win by one point. Things get a little tense there on the field. Fights breaking out everywhere. And you get reported and later it's suspended for nine games for striking. Surely you remember that game and, and that win against the West Coast Eagles because you guys had the last laugh. Again, the tempers are flying. So the players are very, very aggressive. Oh, Dale Kickett has oh. just thrown a couple. Look at this, Dennis. He's going for distance. The last 15 seconds of the game. Big pack. Green launched himself. The ball up. Dockers win. Jones trying to get through. McIntosh, or rather, McManus claimed it. Wait for the siren, and the Dockers will win a remarkable Western Derby. How about that? Fremantle 15-11 have beaten West Coast 15-10. They trailed by 32 points at half time, and the pressure on Damien Brown is released. Yeah, on that day we had last last week. It wasn't yet. For that fleeting second after the siren went, uh, it was great. For me, well, not so flash. Because I missed half the season. I suppose you could say it tainted myself in a not so good way. I lost a lot of money playing those games because contracts that I got towards the end of my career were, were performance-based. I suffered a little bit of me because I copped it from everywhere in Perth. If, if, you, if you know Perth, it's only a small place. Um, everywhere. My kids copped it at school. So I went through a bit of a, uh, I suppose you could say depression at the time. But yeah, so whilst that, the game might have been a spectacle for people outside, it wasn't so flash for me. And, and uh, you know, anyway, there's a, lot, there's a lot I could say about playing that game, but probably best left unsaid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough, because I mean... That everyone obviously remembers the game and and the fights and all that, but they probably don't realise the impact it had, not just on you, but everyone that was involved in 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 all those fights. Because what you're saying now, how your kids copped it at school and stuff like that, that's something that people wouldn't even think about. The, yeah, the we're effect, a two team town. Yeah, because you obviously, you know, you would have been seen as a as the culprit pretty much, and and to 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 go through that weeks after would have been very very tough. I, I gather. Uh, definitely. On the back of, it was my second game back from playing the AFL. I just had, and I just came off a uh, broken vertebrae and back, and I, I played. Uh, that was my second game back after missing eleven weeks. So then to go on and miss another, well, my suspension was nine weeks, and then you know I didn't get back into the team for probably uh, eleven weeks that time. So yeah, I missed a whole season of footy virtually. So it was. On a lot of levels, disappointing for me. Interesting way you've put it, because despite the fact Fremantle did win, it seems the way you're talking, it seems like you look at that game with more negative emotions than than positive. Like it seems like what it did for oh, you personally, yeah. what it did for you off the field is more detrimental than than the win on the field. Yep, I played 130 odd games for Fremantle. I played a a lot better ones than that, I'm, I believe. Uh, but I'm remembering for that game. Um, I'm, not, I'm not happy about that. So 2002 was your final year, and it was a difficult year for yourself with back and leg injuries. When th- Throughout that 2002 season, when was it you knew that 
it was all over and you were you were going to retire? Right. For the whole of my AFL career, for the first five years, I only played one season at every club. So at the end of every that year, every end of every season, if I look back, uh, whether I was dropped or, or, or I left because I just hated being at the place, that was the end of my career. I thought I've got five more opportunities to play AFL footy and to finish off playing 130 odd games. As you mentioned before, I missed the premiership, uh, but I was able to do something that I loved doing. I had some ups and downs throughout my career. Um, you know, I mentioned we played, I only played a couple of finals games, uh, played a game in front of 84, 85,000 people, played with lots of footballers that are legends of the game, um, and played with a lot of coaches that are legends. So, at the end of that year, I suppose you could say I was ready. I was 34. I was breaking down. I had osteotic pubis. I had torn ankles, hips, back. But whenever somebody comes to you and says, I think it's going to be your last year, that's always hard to take. But anyway, so I said to them, you give me one more game and I'll retire. So that's what happened. Yeah, I think it was, was it was it round fourteen was your last game two thousand and two. Yeah, against Port, they were very good around that time. We had a new, uh, Chris Conley, I think he was a new coach at that time, and and I'd been through that similar thing with uh, when Damien Drum came to the footy club, and every time a coach goes into a footy club that needs changing, they always start with right. The culture of this club is not good. You old blokes, see you later. So I wasn't ready to go then. And me and Drummond had a few few arguments about whether I was ready and ready or not to go. I was lucky enough to uh, get through that period because I was ready to go. Um, but when Chris Tomlin came along and, and did the same thing, I was ready. And I just said, give me one more game. That'll give me 200 all up, including including State of Origin games and and uh, not series games. So in the AFL, I made the 200 club. So he gave me one more game and then I was happy to walk away. Was it disappointing when the year after was when Fremantle finally made the finals that, you know, you couldn't be a part of it? Was it a bit like, I've just missed it sort of thing? Like that, you know, you've been around for uh, so long, you are one of the originals and they had lack of on-field success and then the first season you leave, they, they make the finals? Yeah, look, I could say that with, if I go, if I go back, I could say we could, have, we could have won a grand final with the team I played with at Essendon if I'd stayed there or or if I stayed at St Kilda with the team that we had there, we could have won a grand final. I believe that. If I stayed at West Coast for one more year, they won a grand final. I could have possibly been a part of that. Yeah, you know, looking back on your footy career, there's always a lot of if I'd just done this, this or this, I could have been. So, no, no, I'm, I'm still part of Fremantle, but just not a player as a supporter. So, if, if I ever win a grand final, I'll be a part of it. Don't worry about that. Absolutely. It's good perspective there. And, Dale, just as we are about to close up now, I want to ask you three quick questions, and I always ask my guests these in one sentence. 
in your entire career, any club you've played for in the <coughs> AFL, who is the best player you ever played with and why? Who's the best player you ever played against and why? And lastly, who is the best coach you ever played under and why? Well, I started with a coach. But that's easy. I believe Jared was. He was... Really never got the uh, coach premiership team. He was... Had more hindsight than any of the other coaches that I played under had in their finger. And was a very good coach. For the other questions, best players... Look, I believe that it's just unfair to pick singly the best player. You know, I can pick you. I can pick you the best goal kicker in the in the competition. Obviously, it's funny. I can pick you the best small forward in the competition. You know, there blokes I pick like Julioli or Eddie Betts. I could, you know, best ruckman in the competition. You know, we all talk about Nick Nat now. Or, uh, probably, there are probably many more, but I think it's just unfair to pick one the best player of all time. And obviously, throughout the ages, football's changed. So, you know, fellows who were half decent in the, in, in the 80s, if they had the same training regime and um, getting paid the same sort of money as these folks now, who knows what they could have been a whole lot better, you know, like, like your uh, Dermots or, um, or I don't think those blokes because they were played in very good teams and and, and you know, highlight quite a bit when I was a young fella. The best player I played with quite a few. You know, I played I think some really good players that I that I reckon could have played AFL and who knows, you know, they could have been anything. So I played a lot of footy in the country, a lot of footy in the amateur league. Uh, that's another hard question to answer. But as an influence, growing up for the whole of my footy Probably the best player that I ever saw was, yeah, probably Derek Higgett. People will have their own. But, um, yeah, he, the way he played footy, um, what he'd done and what he missed out on, where he could have been, uh, is, you know, about a blink of an eye that he could have been a AFL premiership player, played in three or two AFL grand finals. But he came from where I come from. I watched him play footy and, all through his career and he probably inspired myself my cousin and brothers whoever so a notable person probably him but you know I could say my dad his dad our uncles it, it, it's a bit hard but throughout my career I'd, I'd say Derek yeah, best player I've seen very very well answered Dale I really appreciate your time it's been awesome to have a chat and I really admire everything you've done in your career and I wish you all the best in everything you're doing now out of football it's been great having you on the show thanks Matt thanks for having me And that's a wrap. Thank you to everyone for tuning into A5Q. Don't forget to spread the word, subscribe, leave a rating. Until next time, old sport.